This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, at the commencement of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus compares his disciples to three things, to salt, to light, and to a city set on a hill. Notice, please, that all three exist, not for themselves, but for something else. Look at salt first. In Jesus' time, salt was used to season and preserve meat. So before refrigeration, meat had to be cured in order not to go bad. It was also used to render earth infertile. Think when a conquering nation wanted utterly to eliminate an enemy city, they would tear down its walls, they'd burn its buildings to the ground, then they would salt the earth. How come? So that nothing would ever grow there again. Rome did this to Carthage, for example. So salt is not so much valuable in itself. It's valuable for what it does, what it, how it affects other things. By the same token, light isn't so much for itself. Rather, we see things by it. It illuminates things upon which it shines. And then finally, in ancient times, long before maps and GPS and all that, a city on a hill was a point of navigation. It's the way travelers would make their, their way on land. They, they'd look at, oh, there's that city. That's north of where I want to go, etc. Now, in our rather privatized and individualist culture, we tend to think of religion as something for ourselves, our own spirituality designed to make our lives richer or better. And, you know, there's a sense, sure, in which that's true, that we hope religion makes our lives happier. See, here's the thing, and it's the difference, it's the difference of the Bible. On the biblical reading, religion is more like salt or light or an elevated city. It's not meant for oneself. It's meant for others. Christians are not meant so much to rest in their own holiness, but rather their holiness is meant to be salt and light and a city set on a hill. Now, maybe you can bring these two things together, I think correctly, by saying we find salvation for ourselves precisely in the measure that we bring God's life to others, so they, they come together. But the point is that we, followers of Jesus, are meant to be salt, which effectively preserves and enhances what is best in the society around us. And we are salt, which effectively undermines and destroys what is dysfunctional in the surrounding culture. I wonder how many Christians really think of their lives that way. 
What's my job in the world? Well, it's to precisely as a Christian, preserve, highlight, season what's best in the culture, and to get radically in the way of what's dysfunctional in the culture. More to it, we are light, by which people around us come to see what's worth seeing. Think of those churches in Rome where you want to look at a painting, but you only see it when you put some coins in and, and the light shines on it. Wonderful, and it lights up, and then the minute the light's down, you just can't see it. Well, do you think of Christians that way? They're beautiful, correct, just, beautiful, holy things. Our job is to be a light so people can see it. By the very quality and integrity of our lives, we shed light. First of all, illuminating what's beautiful, but also revealing what's ugly. If something's really ugly and you shine a light on it, it makes it uglier. I mean, it becomes more apparent. So Christians, by the very integrity of their lives, will highlight what's dysfunctional in a society. Here is the clear implication of Jesus' opening words now in the Sermon on the Mount. The clear implication is that without vibrant Christians, the world is a much worse place. Let me say that again. Without vibrant Christians, the world is a worse place. We don't see what's good. The ugly, the sinful isn't undermined. People lose their way. Think of the city on a hill. See, without the guidance of Christians, I don't mean so much like you're hectoring people. I mean, they're looking at your lives and they see, oh, that's what we're meant to be. That's what God wants. See, how many of us Christians think that way about ourselves? We're the city by which people are supposed to navigate. We're the light by which they're supposed to see. We're the salt that seasons and destroys. Now, let me illustrate the principle with a couple of examples. One of the most painful truths of the last century, which, as you know, was the bloodiest on record, is that the weakness of Christian witness allowed some of the worst elements in society to flourish and some of the best to fall into desuetude. Now, I know I'm treading on somewhat controversial ground here, but I'm going to keep going. So I think this is a, is a valid example of the point I'm making. How is it possible, everybody, that in the heart of Christian Europe, from the very heart of a culture that had been awash in Christianity for 1,500 years, that the Nazi party could come to power and affect the deaths of 6 million innocent people? I know it's a complicated question. I get it. There's a lot of things you could say about it. But don't we have to admit that at least a large part of the answer is that Christianity had become so weak, so uncompelling, so attenuated, that great evil was allowed to flourish, that people had lost their way, they didn't see the truth of things, salt, light, city on a hill. Yes, indeed, there were a handful of powerful Christian resistors, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Franz Jägerstetter, 
Klaus von Stauffenberg, Dietrich von Hildebrand, Edith Stein. Yes, there were heroic exceptions. But these were the exceptions, let's face it, that proved the rule. The overwhelmingly vast majority of Christians either supported Hitler or remained in silence, either out of fear or indifference. Mind you, I'm not blaming Germans here. I'm blaming Christians all over the place, all over Europe, who were not salt, were not light, were not a city set on a hill. Let's press it. How was communism, this monstrous ideology that, that piled up tens of millions of corpses, how was communism permitted to flourish in Russia, a land that had been profoundly marked by Christianity? How was Joseph Stalin, the greatest butcher of all time, perhaps Mao outdid him, but number one or number two, how was he permitted to do his work? Again, the answer to that question is very complex. I understand that. But at least a large part of the answer is that the vast, vast majority of Christians acquiesced or just didn't care. A vibrant Christianity would have been salt rubbed into the earth of those monstrous ideologies. A vibrant Christianity would have been light shining into the dark recesses of Nazism and communism. A vibrant Christianity would have been a city set on a hill, guiding those who wanted to know the right path. And, lest we get a little smug, thinking, well, those terrible people back then, how did they let that happen? Very similar questions can be asked about our society. Consider for a second the truly awful gun violence in the streets of my hometown of Chicago and of many other large American cities. Why isn't a vibrant Christianity actively getting in the way of this affront to human dignity? Why aren't vibrant Christian churches, and there are vibrant Christian churches, I'm not, I'm not overgeneralizing here, I hope I'm not, but why aren't vibrant Christian churches rubbing salt into the earth of this violence? Why isn't a vibrant Christianity functioning as a city set on a hill? People have taken their guidance from all sorts of, of places. They ought to be taking it from the Christian churches. Why aren't they? And I'm recording these words just in the wake of the March for Life in Washington on the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision, consider that tens of millions of unborn eliminated since Roe v. Wade in 1973. I'd be willing to bet the vast majority of the mothers and fathers of those murdered children came from a Christian background. Why wasn't their Christianity strong enough to function as salt and light? Why wasn't the faith that produced them illuminating enough to shine a light into the darkness of what they were doing? See, everybody, Jesus' rhetorical question at the end of our reading. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? Ought to bother us as much today as it bothered Jesus' audience long ago. 
What he means, and again, we've seen evidence of it like mad in the last hundred years. What he means is that a weak Christianity is a disaster for the world, not just for Christians, not just, oh, the decline in our churches. That's not the point. The point is a weakened Christianity is a disaster for the world because the world depends upon the Christian church in order to become what it was meant to be. Salt loses taste with what can it be seasoned. See, there isn't anything else. You are the salt of the earth. You, my followers, you. And if you go flat, the world goes flat. You, my followers, you're the light. Put the light under a bushel basket, there is no light. You, my followers, you're the city set in a hill. That's covered in darkness, then no one knows where they're going. I'm not talking here simply about making converts, as important as that is. I'm talking about the illuminating and enhancing mission that Jesus gave to his followers. And that's why now we begin, we begin this week the, re- the reading of the Sermon on the Mount, this summation of Jesus' teaching, which is, as you know, challenging, staggering overwhelming. But attend everybody to these opening words, because what he's saying here is, I want you who follow my teaching in the Sermon on the Mount to be leaven, light, salt, witness to the world around you. You're on not just for your own salvation. You're on for the salvation of, of others. Be salt, be light, be the city set on a hill. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.